0: Hey, folks, thanks for coming back for part two of my interview with Donna Cervelli. I hope that you've listened to part one for the backstory about Donna, her upbringing, and the beginnings of her so called education at a church run school called New Eden Academy. Because that's the backstory for what happens in this episode, where we dive into a pretty horrifying situation that she was put into when she was 16 and she was cut off from the church. Excommunicated and more or less kicked to the curb to fend for her own. And they didn't even call her parents to tell them about it. That's how much they wanted her to fall off the face of the earth and just disappear. The Unification Church kicked her out of the boarding school she was in when she was 16, when she was not an adult. They kicked her out. They gave her bus money to go to New York City, and that was it. Not even a phone call to her parents. What does that tell you about the priorities of this? supposed church this place where we supposedly look out for each other and before we dive in I just want to clarify a term that's used so in this episode uh, we mentioned Hak Jahan for those that don't know Hak Jahan is Sun Myung Moon's wife I think it's his second maybe his third wife I don't know it's debatable but she's the one who really stuck with him for most of his life and she's still alive now And so when we say Hak Jahan, we're talking about her. And I think one of the really interesting emotional things that you'll encounter in this interview is this idea that when we were growing up, we were told to put ourselves last all the time and at all costs. Our emotions were not valid. Our needs were to be ignored. They weren't to be trusted. They were to be denied. That's what we were taught. And there were many, many excuses given based on that underpinning theology. To deny us just a basic feeling of being a human whose ideas and whose thoughts and wants and needs and dreams and beliefs and emotions mattered. We were taught that none of that mattered at all. All of it had to be subjugated by the Unification Movement. And if any of that came up, if we had any emotions or feelings or thoughts that ran against the Unification Church, we had to deny them and hide them. That's what comes out in this interview. It's the cruelty of that type of thinking and the way that it impacted Donna. So thinking about that, I'd like to dive into the second and final chapter of my discussion with Donna. Here it goes, folks.
1: Or, you know god forbid you were a girl who talked to boys or you were a boy who talked to girls yeah. or you know what I mean like god forbid that happened and, and I guess that brings me to my story about how I got kicked out as a junior in high school uh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah 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 I want
0: to I, I definitely want to <laughs> ask you about that because I think it's a fairly yeah. well it's fairly I, I, I don't know how unique it is quite frankly mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know for, for me my experience was very much like I chose, mm-hmm. I, I chose to leave. I wasn't, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll let you just say what happened to you, but
2: uh, yeah. Yeah. it's just a
0: different, it's a, it's, it's, it, it, it's a different experience. Yeah. Um, and I guess... I guess for I, I just want to make it kind of clear to the audience, especially people who might not who might not be aware that the church has a very well it's very it's very very black and white about a lot of things. One of those things is as you were mentioning earlier, like if you're second generation, effectively your purpose in life is to maintain your purity, get blessed within the movement, married within the movement, and have and have third generation kids. If you lose that purity, then A, you can't have third generation kids, but There's also this concept, at least, and this is actually actually something that we should talk about. There's a concept that, like, you've committed the worst sin possible by Mm -hmm. leaving this position of not having original sin. If Mm -hmm. you if you have sex outside of the blessing, then you have like lost that position, and you are like Mm -hmm. the most evil person in the world. So, Mm -hmm. for me, you know, I just remember being told if you. Fall if you if you have sex outside of the blessing you go to you go to the worst you you go to a place in hell that's worse than where Hitler goes it's worse than where Satan goes and you are effectively like the lowest of the low uh, mm-hmm. and, and sort of the cause and root of all any and all like future evil and yeah I mean the same thing, thing I think the thing that really stood out to me was this idea of like being worse than Hitler and yeah, that, that, to that, films. Was, that was that was a, that was a thing. Like, if you have yeah. sex, you are worse than Hitler. And I guess just kind of going back to mm-hmm. the analogy earlier, people are still in the movement. Someone was, and you had a friend whose religion taught them that. What would you? What would you honestly? What would you honestly say? Say to that? You know? What would you? Would you? Would you really think that that was a, a a valid comparison. I mean, Hitler, you know, the Holocaust versus two people doing something that's probably, hopefully at least mildly pleasurable for both of them and probably hasn't hurt anyone. And they both agree to it. Like that doesn't seem equivalent. Those scales don't, don't add up. And if, if, if that's the way you think, maybe you should reevaluate the way that you think, sorry, I, 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 I just, I wanted to kind of make that point about like how, just how, how this whole organization thinks Mm -hmm. and I think it points to it points to kind of the idea that we were talking about earlier about like there is this sort of overall program of indoctrination about just get Mm -hmm. the kids to do this this is what we want the kids to do and everyone any grown-up can tell any kid any story they want just to kind of get them to not have sex that's basically my 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 impression of the entire structure of the organization as it relates to kids is like just make mm-hmm. them so scared using any method possible so mm-hmm. that they won't do it that's that's what the whole the whole thing is there for when it came when it came to us pretty much so I, I guess I guess just like with with that in mind I can you what were you told about you know what would happen if you were to have sex outside of outside of marriage or outside of, outside of the blessing? Mm
1: -hmm. So I think for us, I remember it being at Camp Sunrise. Okay. So Camp Sunrise was a church run camp and it would happen every year and there would be workshops and there would be, you know, there'd be arts and crafts and you can go on the lake and you can row a boat. but mostly there would be workshops and there would be lectures on the divine principle. And, you know, they would get, other older second generation.
2: Yeah.
1: And you know there was a certain amount of weight to seniority, you know, yes. because they were they were what was it 36 couples, right? Yeah. And that was like yeah. the original members yeah. and then you know there was like a larger number and a larger number yeah. than 1800. Yeah. It was like 777 and they were all like yeah. uh, significant numbers. Yeah. Significant, significant numbers of of blessings. Yeah. But if you were a member from the 36 couples that were yeah. very intimate. That was very um, you know.
0: senior and they, they had a lot of weight yeah. to it. And I, was, I I never, I didn't know if mm-hmm. that was, if that's just sort of part of Korean culture or part of yeah. the church that was sort of, sort of like hyped up within the church. It's just this idea yeah. of like, you have to respect your elders. And it's like, it's not just mm-hmm. like elders, but also like people, like, like in principle, you could be older than someone that mm-hmm. was from that blessing group, but if they were from the from the earlier blessing group, then they were sort of like more holy than you, and you had to listen seniority, to Seniority, so yeah. like Seniority with within the context mm-hmm. of like being blessed first, yep. basically.
1: I always kind of equated it, and I don't know if this is accurate or, or true, but I always equated it to, you know, so Reverend Moon believes himself to be the second coming of Jesus Christ, so yeah. he's the Messiah, and I always equated those. 36 couples to like the right. original apostles you know yes. 12 apostles. oh and the, the and church they, told us that, that that's
0: what that's what yeah, yeah that's kind of like what we were told the original oh, being told that yeah yep
1: yeah. and so yeah. so at camp sunrise it would effectively be the offspring of the participants in the 36 couples yeah. you know so the second generation from those 36 couple blessing and when they would give these kind of talks and these divine principle lectures they would hold a lot of weight because there our parents respected their parents yes and therefore that name was recognized within the church and if they are speaking like that that holds like a a different kind of weight and credibility for other second generations so i remember hearing it at one of those workshops and i remember so damon and her
0: who? Hold on, hold on, hold up. <laughs> hold up, hold up. Who, so Dave, who's Damonim?
1: <laughs> I feel like I'm going to mess this up, but Damonim, Hakchahan's mother, right?
0: I. You know what's crazy? I don't even know. And 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 and, and the thing that's so crazy about it is like, when, I remember when I was maybe like under ten years old. Like no one ever talked yeah. about Damonim. It was she, yeah. she wasn't a thing. She wasn't a thing. And then all of a sudden. I don't know, 10, 15, like all of a sudden they're like, yeah. there's this woman, she's the most spiritual. She can like, she's, like things. Like, she's channeling yeah. all these people. And like, we were just supposed to know it. And like, they just kind of referred to her like she had always been there, but she, she definitely wasn't. Like no one, had ever, no one had ever talked about her. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden she was a big thing. And I actually mm-hmm. think, I'm not a hundred percent sure about this, but I think her, her rise to prominence, what, what probably not coincidentally happened once they sort of finished building that the compound in cheongpyong in korea where they could send people to give them a bunch of money to go to these ancestral liberation workshops because i remember sorry i'm actually this is actually kind of blowing my mind because i'm just piecing this together now basically (laughs) when i was in when i was in korea when i was in when i was in korea in 94 they Mm -hmm. took us to cheongpyong and it was like a campsite there was you could tell they were kind of building things they had this kind of like basic what almost like like just like it wasn't even it wasn't even a building it was just like a big kind of outdoor dining area with with a cover over it and like a little dorm where i think they had some construction workers living or something like that but basically it was this really like unfinished raw place and they were like this is a really holy ground all this amazing stuff has has happened here all the spirit world is great and it's going to be fantastic and so basically i went there and guess what when i was there i never in the supposed homeland of of damonim we never heard about her once we never went to see her once and and you know why in my opinion it's because they didn't have the money grabbing machine for her greatness at that at that period at at that time, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, over the next few years, they sort of finished building this compound, and damonim became this figure around which they could build these workshops where they mm-hmm. sent people and made made tons of money. And that's why, lo and behold, once once they had the the, the money machine built, they could they could all of a sudden be like, oh, Damonim, she's great, blah 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 blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just I just came up with that. No, name. that's my theory, my theory, and I'm st- I'm sticking with it, hundred percent. Someone it. prove me You're wrong.
1: Sticking to it. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Yeah. So I think <laughs> I think she was true Haktahan's mother who had passed away and I don't know if she passed away, but, oh. but apparently so she was like channeling some she was channeling spirit yeah. worlds, right? But yeah, she so name was like,
0: wasn't like there was a person, a woman
1: mm-hmm.
0: who was there channeling. There was a woman who
1: was channeling a true mother's named, mother. And yes. that
0: was name who was being channeled that, through this person. Yes. And, i think so okay. i think that's it got it and okay
1: i want somebody to i want somebody to like
0: okay we can do maybe just corroborate fact, this fact checking on this <laughs> later fact checking.
1: that's but even that's it, even it, it better so, though
0: so damon isn't actually even a real person it's just it, she's a concept she is that a real, can just she's a mother's people. mother
1: but she died yeah she's, exactly she's in the spirit yeah. world but now she's coming back and she's like giving messages yeah and so I think that was like, I remember that being like 2009 or something like that. But okay. even before that, I think there was like a, there was like a, a practice of mediums and mediumship yes. within yeah. the church. Yeah. So it could have been, So, it was at a workshop and it was definitely during my college, my high school time. So I would say like late nineties, early 2000s yeah. and I was at a, a camp sunrise workshop and what they said about a second generation. So if you're a second generation and you fell, which means have sex outside of the blessing, we're talking consensual here. We're talking like, you know, I like you, you like me, let's do this. Yeah. And, And so I remember they say, if you do that as a second generation, when you die, your fate will be to be locked in a box in the coldest part of, the spirit world and it's cold because god's love will not touch it wow and i'm like shit (laughs) i'm like okay don't want to go there wow yeah so regardless of all the things you do in your life if you are a second generation yeah who has consensual sex before the blessing and at this mind you at this time my parents really encouraged me to get blessed or start thinking about the matching. Yeah. and i was like 16 17 and so yeah. while i was going to new eden academy it was yeah. like prime matching yeah. time they yeah, were effectively like
0: they're trying to like they're trying to like plant the seeds and like talk to the parents 100%. and yeah yeah, yeah yeah i i yeah. i know how that goes yeah
1: yeah they're like so i got a kid oh you yeah. got a kid how old is yeah. your kid oh, <laughs> exactly perfect
0: exactly exactly <laughs> Give me her number. does your kid like uh, ice cream yeah my kid likes ice cream no, boom they'd be great for each no. other
1: <laughs> it's like oh did, okay just speak korean oh okay cool yeah. cool. you eat it oh great oh right,
0: she great. must be so holy she's oh she's man so
1: and, and so that was that was the story that was like and, and so you're like 16 17 and so if you have consensual sex at 16 or 17 and then go on to get you know regardless of what you do for the rest yeah. of your life yeah you know what I mean? Like your accomplishments for the rest of your life are moot because you had sex when you were 16 before you were blessed. Like, I'm sorry, that's, my hands are tied here. You're going to the box.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, that's, for me, there's so much in that. And when I just think about how Mm -hmm. crazy that is to try and like, like boil all of the like, subtlety and nuance of someone's entire human life experience mm-hmm. into this thing of like you know did you have sex with someone you know yes or no okay mm-hmm. no you know you did it right you either did it right or you did it wrong you did it wrong yeah. okay you're going to hell and not even like normal hell like a super special super special worst type of hell
1: you're going you're um, going to the
0: special hell for the yeah. people
1: who knew that there was hell yes. you know what he, I think that the, the thought was you know so the yeah, fact that you've that done was, it yeah. is worse. Right? That's
0: yeah. That's that's the thinking. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to make the point here that that the, the Unification Church is not is not unique in seeking to control sex. I think mm-hmm. you know there's there's a long list of religions that basically seek to make people feel guilty about their sex drive and then the church places itself in the position of being the only the only way to seek absolution for those completely natural desires and then once they're in that position you know they can control something that is you know a pretty fundamental part of your being they can kind of control the rest of your life basically and i think you know the the church does it in a very extreme way more extreme than 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 most religions i would say but It's also something that's quite common across across most religions of that that theme of like, you know, making people feel guilty for something that is at the end of the day, something that is very human. And then using that guilt uh, as leverage against the person to try and force them to do things for the for the organization. And I think I guess, yeah, I just want to kind of make the point that I don't think this is a unique thing about the church. I think the church puts its own spin on it. But also the fact that it's not unique and that it's actually so prevalent across almost every religion, I think that just speaks to how powerful it is. Because, yeah, yeah, it's everywhere.
1: And I would agree with that. I would also add something just that I've been considering as well since we last spoke. They control your natural urges toward sex and sexual desire, you know, wherever, but they also control your desire for love you know mm. what i mean they control strive to control who you can and cannot have feelings for
2: mm.
1: right because yeah. the whole idea of the matching and the blessing is that god has someone in mind for you yeah and reverend moon because of his connection to god and because of the fact that he is the messiah yeah has this party line to god and he mm. knows exactly who you should be yeah. matched to and yeah. subsequently learn how to love, yeah. absolutely, with true yeah. love, you know, to build this true family based on God-centered love. And so they not only control your sexual desires, but they control your, your emotions as yeah. well. And, and yeah. an emotion as powerful as who yeah. you're loving. Yeah. And who you care for
0: yeah
3: you know
1: and i think that's that's a not unimportant nuance no no no, no. you know it's very important mm-hmm.
0: it's very important and
1: yeah
0: yeah it's 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 yeah it's very i mean that's another another huge portion mm-hmm. huge piece of control and a huge amount of leverage you have over an individual and actually just like if you just kind of take like take it aside and like forget the unification church but if you just if you just said look i've got a way to control Mm -hmm. who people can have sex with and to control Mm -hmm. who they can love
1: and begin families with
0: and begin family and begin families with Mm -hmm. and where they can work and you know, and when they can wake up and when they can sleep you know all this all this Mm -hmm. sort of stuff like I have this magic thing that I can do use to control all of these aspects of someone's life like Mm -hmm. would you think that that was actually a good a good power for someone to have, would Would you want, if, if you had a friend and you knew someone was exerting that control over them, mm. would you, would you consider that to be a force for good in their life or perhaps something that they, they might need to be skeptical of? Because I, I, I would, if I had any friends in that situation, I would say, look, like, I think this thing is giving, controlling you a little too much. I don't know if they would listen to me at that point, but ultimately giving that sort of control over all those aspects of your life to someone that's not you, I think is really, Mm -hmm. is really dangerous. And that's what, that's what this whole cult has done to, you know,
1: thousands Mm -hmm. of people. Yeah. And I think, you know, more than that, it's, 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 it's requiring someone to give up their, you know, their individuality in order to, kind of fit into this and so you know I think part of that indoctrination that we've been talking about is really cultural and it really rests on being inside or outside the group you know because we would refer to anybody outside the church as outsiders right you know they were it was the fallen world yeah. And you know, we were part of the heaven on earth. That's where it was, building yeah. heaven on earth. Yeah. And our parents had paid this indemnity, you know, leaving their families and leaving yeah. their livelihoods and leaving yeah. their hometowns and, and sacrificing their their lives in order for us to have this opportunity to be free of original sin. Yeah. And what a gift that was. Yeah. And to throw away that gift of our parents' sacrifice. Yes. That yeah you know for for you know our perfect our perfect mate given to us by god and all we have to do is deny our natural urges you know including you know who we may or may not have feelings for you know and i think that's a huge part of identity very much so because you know look i am married you know i've been with my husband for almost 19 years mm-hmm. you know I, I met him around 19 you know yeah. shortly after I, I kind of left new eden academy you know we were together for a good 10 years and we've been married to eight. Yeah. and you know look marriage takes a lot of a relationship yeah. i think where two partners are striving to be equal and are striving to not only care for one another but to learn how to like grow within that relationship takes yeah. a lot of work
2: Yeah, and it
1: takes a lot of dedication and to have such a large part important part of your life you know to have that choice taken from you yeah with fear that you will yeah. be go to this lowest level of hell yeah you know is not a small thing yeah and you know, it's only now like 20 years out and I'm married and I I love my husband. We have a great relationship, but you know, it's, it's something I chose. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, it's work and, you know, every day we choose to be together again and again, I think that's a very powerful thing. Yeah. You know, this is not even to say, you know, listen, you know, we're, we're heteros, we're heterosexual, like regular man, woman, mm. but you know, what if you're a person who, who doesn't, you know, what if you're like somebody who enjoys, you know, who doesn't, who likes the opposite sex, who yeah. does, you know, or likes the same sex, you yeah. know, to have that, that traditional view of marriage of like, you can only love the opposite gender Yeah, takes away such a large part of like the identity of most humans. It's. I, I feel like there's, you know, there's something powerful to that, you know. Yeah. To yeah. say not only am, are we going to choose your partner for life, we're going to choose your life partner yeah. for you.
0: Yeah. When you're like 18 years old.
1: When you're like when you're young, yeah. you know, you you don't even yeah. know yourself very yeah, well. Yeah. Exactly. But not only that, this is the only partner for you. Yeah. Like you to to leave this person yeah. would be to kind of like throw away God's gift to you. Yeah. And I
2: don't
1: know, it's just
0: a very strange fairy tale to tell kids. And yeah, yeah, it's, and yeah, no, I, and I think, I mean, I'm just kind of thinking about my own experience there. And I think that's that, that idea of choice and the choosing to be Mm -hmm. with someone I think is really powerful. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I can, I remember when my ex wife and I were in the process of splitting one and for for the record, we we do we were matched within the context of, of, of the church. One of the things she said to me was, No because of the way we were put together, no matter what you say, there's no way that I can ever really know if you would have chosen to be with me without without all this other stuff. There's there's no way I can know that this is like your true choice because everything is colored by by this whole this whole, you know, construct that put us here in the first place. And I, I looked at her and I was like I'm really sorry, but you're right. There, there, you know, there is nothing I can say that will ever, you know, sur, surmount the reality of we were, we were forced into this. This was not our choice. And yeah, I think that's, you know, it's, I, I mean that that was one of the many epiphanies I had during that, during that, that, that experience. But since then, I think it's that, that whole idea of just, you know, choosing, is, is really powerful. One. And, and there's something more powerful about being someone who's like, who's like, I choose, I choose, I could choose my time, choose being with anyone and I choose you. Yeah. And it was, no one told me to do that. I actually think there's, there's, there's more power to that mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, just people being forced together and forced to like, to stick with it for, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. I think that's very, very damaging. And there are a lot of relationships of, you know, people who I don't think are, that I don't think mm-hmm. they're great relationships. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's tough. And, you know, it's such, it's such a powerful choice that I think you're never allowed to have. You know, you're taught from a very young age that yeah. you don't have this choice. Yeah. This yeah. is not something that's in the cards for you. And, you know, I think, you know, from that, it's just a very, you know, to grow up in that environment of, you know, the Messiah will choose your match and this will be someone God- means for you. And, and, you know, from that God knows everything and God mm. loves you and God's going to choose the best person for you. Mm. And I think what's so interesting in that is that, you know, you're never allowed to think otherwise. Yes. And you spent a lot of your life, or at least I did, I spent a lot of my life, you know, my formative years trying to wrap my head around that, you mm. know, in that, okay, God knows me so well that He will give me my prince charming one day,
2: yeah. right? Yeah.
1: And I don't have an opportunity. You know, that's yeah. it. That's it. And so you spend a lot of your time like fighting any interest in like any other boys. They're yeah, to be your brothers. They're completely. your brothers. Yeah. You're not supposed to have these impure thoughts about yeah. them because. Yeah. They don't belong to you. Yeah. You don't belong to you.
2: Yeah. You know what I
1: mean? Like yeah. your body and your heart are not yours. They yeah. belong to God. And yeah. one day God is going to give that to the person that he believes is the yeah. best choice for you. And, you know, as innocent as that sounds, as, as comforting as that may sound to some people that God knows best and God's going to put you with somebody and you're going to be perfectly happy together. You know, as comforting as that may be to some people, it's so, it's so disempowering
2: in that
1: you don't know your own heart. You know what I mean? Like you are not, you are too rotten. You know what I mean? You are incapable of knowing your own heart.
0: Yeah. And incapable of making that decision. And actually, I remember, Mm -hmm. I remember actually going to one of these workshops in Camp Sunrise might've even been the same one that you were at. I don't, I I don't know. On
1: the same boat. Yeah. Yeah.
0: but they would you would they want you had to go through this exercise of envisioning i'm actually closing my eyes now and just remembering mm-hmm. and they they you had to go through this exercise and they you had to close your eyes and envision the person that you disliked the most like they're like imagine like the ugliest girl who, like you know, her face is full of pimples and she's like they just had this like this like litany that is just this like yeah. long, long list of like of like, you know, pretty unattractive <clears throat> traits, both physical and, and, you know, you know, personality wise. And they're like, OK, you need to visualize that person. Mm-hmm. And you need to be okay, accepting, and not even just accepting, but you need to be enthusiastically embracing the idea Mm -hmm. of getting matched and married to this person. And I I remember going through that exercise and like and creating this like you know caricature of a person in my head of like okay, I just need to be ready to
1: accept. This terrible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. not only accept
0: like yeah but like love, love. right yeah, yeah yeah exactly and then and then when you get when you, when you when you get into a relationship which that 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 has that as a as the bedrock which i've been been through and and i an am out of i think it just it creates this idea that like you your own wants and desires within the relationship ha- have mm-hmm. to be have to be crushed yeah, there there's yeah. no there's no place in that relationship for you to say hey this is what i need This Mm -hmm. is, you know, this is, this is what I want out of this. This is what I, this is what I need. there's that, that doesn't exist because Mm -hmm. the whole, the whole indoctrination is about you sacrificing everything to make that relationship work.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's honestly something that that I'm going through. Like now is just kind of relearning that now that, you know, that relationship is over. I'm kind of like, you know, out there and trying to like figure that out. What, like, what Mm -hmm. does, what do I want in a relationship? What does that, what does that look Mm -hmm. like? And it's great to be able to like ask those questions, but it's also just crazy to think of you know the me and you know thousands of other people that that have spent time in those relationships where they couldn't actually address a like mm-hmm. voice like hey this is this is this is what i want oh i'm not happy with this you know mm-hmm. and and I, if, if something's a deal breaker you can call it a deal breaker and say peace i'm out you know there's nothing wrong with that and it's just kind of I don't know. I just think, I just think that there's a lot of damage in that, in that concept yeah. to, you know, you, you have to, anything you want is, is, is wrong. I know, you just, mm-hmm. you have to just accept, accept anything, anything that's, that's mm-hmm. put put on your plate with, with regards to this, this spouse, I think is it's just a bad,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, and it's a really it, relationship. You settle, you know, Yeah.
1: you settle. And, you know, I, just from my own personal experience, you know, my parents, are not well suited to one another. Hmm. And, you know, in many, many ways. And that, I think those toxic relationship traits that you were just talking about, like, what do I want? What do I need? You know, are sacrificed for the sake of just being together, yeah. whether that's a healthy relationship or not is yeah. almost irrelevant. Yeah, you know?
0: exactly. It, oh, it is. It's, it is irrelevant. The only thing that matters is, is that it stays together.
1: Is that it stays together and whether it's healthy or not, whether it's, you know, something positive or negative, it's, it's, it's irrelevant to the conversation as long as you continue to stay blessed and and have children within that marriage, then that's really the only, that's really the only checkbox that, you know, that box you need to check. It's, that's it. And, you know, and I think when I was going to New Eden Academy, you know, that was really, it, it was interesting, like watching my own parents' relationship and their marriage, and you know that was normal to me, and that's yeah. that's what I grew up with. And I'm like, yeah. why would I think this is this should be anywhere different? Like, yeah. clearly they're a blessed family, we're a true family.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, we're perfect. I'm a blessed child. So you know, they follow the Messiah. They know. Yeah. They know. Yeah, they're following God's will. And it was very. It was like for me, like first time. I think that I saw something different was when I went to my friends and I, I had a sleepover at my friends Mm. and her parents were so different, Mm. you know, in the effect that they enjoyed each other's company. You know, they would laugh, they would joke. They, they, they truly enjoyed being with one another. And, you know, you felt that in the house and you felt the way that, the parents and her parents interacted with her and just how like loving and how interested they were in hearing her opinions yeah you know was i think one of the most striking things Mm. like oh what did you do today what did you think about that yeah And, and the fact that she was given choices and that Her parents were like, "Oh, of course! Like, why wouldn't we ask you? Yeah, you know what you wanted to do was just so foreign to me at that point in my life, and so I went into New Eden Academy like with that experience, and and so I remember going to school and I was already kind of questioning it." And, and so we go into like freshman year, sophomore year, and I was miserable the whole time. You know, no it was, it was, not, based what you're it was not a positive experience. And I think it was more so not a positive experience because I was going into it and I had not grown up with church communities. I had not grown okay. up around other second generation. Uh, okay. you know, there, okay. was, there was a handful. There was maybe one or two here and there, but there wasn't like okay. somebody, like, there wasn't a community that was very close yeah. to your growing okay. up. And so I went to... Eden, and, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's a bunch of other second generation. They, they know in a way that I think, you know, the outside kids who I had been going to elementary and middle school with, they will understand in a way that they, you know, those yeah. kids would not. And so when yeah. I got there and it, it was just it was just worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> because we were talking about the indoctrination and yeah. one of the ways I think that these groups control is through the judgment of others.
0: Yeah, completely. And completely, it's, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's through a connection to this in-group, out-group. Yes. And yeah. if you were even perceived to be part of like considering this out-group, yeah. you know, this satanic influence, yeah, um, then you were immediately judged to be like, have fallen influence. And yeah context i'm pretty sure i walked into my first day of new eden academy and in a metallica t-shirt it was okay, like nice i think it was like ride the lightning and it was the album cover and Amazing. so it was like they must have loved it. i loved it they were like <laughs> wow this <laughs> kid is the devil <laughs> subsequently worse because all of it i was like i don't know I was a metalhead and um it was in the 90s and yeah. you know you Played certain records backwards. They were
0: messages from Zayn or something. Of course, yeah, I remember that. Um,
1: so that was it. So like socially, I was like. You
0: know. So did you feel you were just kind of like in- instantly kind of not like outcast, like 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 not necessarily outcast, mm-hmm. ca- but kind of like people weren't sure of you. You would kind of you had to sort of be. Uh, they were slightly cautious of you because they thought you were a bit oh, too too outside sure. outsidey.
1: For sure, and I feel like you know, listen, I was an angsty I was an angsty teenager, just in general, you know mm-hmm. what I mean just just for like normal world standards and i'm yeah. I'm sure going into unification church and especially a unification church school that's amplified you yeah know definitely mean? like definitely I had a proclivity for wearing black clothing and I okay. still do like okay. you know it, it, and and you know whatever it's just a fashion thing
0: it's fine whatever
1: but you know that was certainly taken a certain way and i, I remember like the, the 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 reaction of some of the faculty and so the students are one thing like whatever yeah. kids can kids kids are cruel at that age yeah that's just it is what it yeah. is but the faculty their stance was you know this, this girl is she's spiritually compromised you know she definitely has (laughs) an evil spirit world like hanging on to her that's
0: a great phrase i haven't heard that one before spiritually (laughs) compromised which i need to i need to just use that more often
1: (laughs) they're just like this chick like wearing black (laughs) nail polish i don't know her hair's pink clearly clearly satan has influence Mm. over this one and so that was it and so that was like right through the door freshman year sophomore year And, you know, I think to live in that environment where I think not the students are one thing, but to have the faculty and the teachers suspicious of you as a child who is like looking for direction and who who needs, you know, still some supervision and some parenting to have the only adults around you suspicious of, of, of where you are spiritually and morally is, is another thing. And so, you know, junior high school kind of junior year rolls around and, you know I get I get you know those those 16 17 year old hormones kick in and that's it I, I I'm i like attracted to this one person yeah. you know I'm attracted to a boy whoa
0: Wow, Donna <laughs> how could you so, so satanic a, a six sixteen 16 year old with hormones how could was, you
1: uh, yeah I know I'm like it, and like I don't think they really thought that through I'm like this is a co-ed <laughs> high school where we're trying to like Like, literally, I'm looking at it. They're, like, in a God-centered environment where sex, drugs, and alcohol will not be an issue. And I was like, okay, I don't think you guys thought that through because the boys are on the third floor, the girls are on the second floor, (laughs) and we're eating dinner together every night. Like, what part of that is not you know
0: it's, it's a setup it's a it's a setup 100 I, I, yeah,
1: like yeah, what part of that yeah. is, is they're crazy. laying
0: a bear trap and asking you not to step in it it's like
1: i a, know yeah. i know so you know junior year i've already gone through two years of you know clearly all the adults think i'm satan and spawn yeah. and you know I, I i start seeing somebody and like that's already hugely problematic you know yeah I mean, because that's a, I, mean, I, mean, I have Emotionally compromise myself, yeah. right? And I'm, I am inappropriately caring for somebody when I should only be, I should be saving all of my love and, yeah. and good feelings for my special someone, the spouse who God has chosen for me already. And, you know, it's hard to fight those urges. I think, especially in an environment where the adults already think that you're bad. And so, anyway, so we, we start talking, we're, we're talking, and, you know, at, at some point during that year, it gets physical. So
3: okay.
1: here we are, like, it's a normal teenage romance, and at some point, you get physical. And, you know, I don't know if we did it the right way to this day. if <laughs> no, we really pulled the trigger. Oh I think at that time, sex education was completely... I was pretty sure that I could get pregnant if I was in a pool with a boy. So like understanding, a biological understanding. Okay. So we were there and you know, we got pretty physical, we went pretty far, and I think in 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 teenage parlance probably rounded the bases. Okay. Questionably so.
0: Maybe. Okay. Uh, Also, I just want to say like like this is this is how crazy the church is, is is that there's this concept of like whether you don't actually have to have like you don't have to have like insertive sex. It's like if yeah. the penis touches the vagina that's it. That's it. That's, that's, that's the it. moment where you've lost your you've lost your your you yeah. know lost your claim yeah. on not having original sin. Touches anything else. <laughs> because it's you've fine. already
1: fallen spiritually. You've intended to do this thing.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. I guess so. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, they have this idea that it's like the moment of contact, but it could touch like many other things. I, you know, a, a dick can touch loads of things, as long as it's not a woman's vagina <laughs> uh, in any way. And like the guy is still pure, basically. And anyway, that's the concept. So I guess we're saying we, we you may not really know what happened, but, but by the church's definition, it happened. Yeah.
1: It, it, it definitely happened. happened and I think okay. I think just like on that point that's funny that you said that that like you know it could touch a lot of things but yeah but not not that
2: yeah it's not that yeah
1: what's very interesting is that as a woman as a, as a girl in the church like what I was always told yeah is if there's any kind of penetration anything anything it doesn't actually oh. have to be a penis it could be anything. So like, like that's a, it. It's a over. Finger,
0: a finger, finger so would be. Don't. No. Nothing.
1: Nothing crosses that barrier, and so I think it was huge for me to like rationalize it because at that point I had used the tampon, and I'm like, well, that's it. I'm halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> We're like inching, inching to the cliff. You know what I mean?
0: Oh my God. Wow. Okay. So this is crazy. This is also one of the inconsistencies, right? Like, yeah. like, like talk about, talk about inconsistencies in this whole, this whole way of thinking. So uh-huh. for me, I remember being taught, it was the moment that a penis touches a vagina in any mm-hmm. way, that's when you fall, but the penis can mm-hmm. touch anything else. The vagina can touch anything else. And like, it's not falling. So in principle, like, you know, getting a hand job or a blowjob would not be falling uh i've heard that like
1: technically technically yes technically no you know you're good you're good okay there's been no contact but okay i think for me like i i heard it taking it further as in if anything goes in there that's it you you are you're 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 getting into the danger zone you're not quite redlining Okay. Definitely in the orange. If
0: anything, really interesting. Okay. Okay. So, but so I love this. I love this. There's like black and white. Like you've done it or you haven't. But then this is like maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I, wow. Okay. Yeah, I love how seriously. I love how they, I love you. Like you thought a tampon was like halfway there. Like, maybe <laughs> that I, was
1: clearly in my mind, and I remember that being an actual like point of conversation. Like I remember. i I was in camp sunrise and i had my period and i was like does anybody have a tampon and it was like (laughs) record scratch they were like wait a second (laughs) back back that menstrual train up no and it was very weird it was a very weird moment oh my
2: god (laughs) it's
1: like like burned into my mind because like I remember living in that, so I was in that house with all those girls, and I think somebody found my, I was worried that another girl would find my tampons.
0: <laughs> that's horrible. Yeah, I mean, it was very
1: strange. It was geez. very strange. Yeah.
0: Wow. Sorry. I'm but just, now it's fine. Like, digesting that. Like, that's <laughs> no, crazy. Because now
1: here I am talking about tampons with a guy that's yeah. like, my oh
0: my God.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so. We fell, Eric.
0: Okay. One way or the other, Um, you you fell. We fell. That's it.
1: We had had some sort of sex. Yeah. Um, Consensual. Yeah. Consensual sex. Some kind of teenage consensual sex. And I remember, like, I I talked to two of my friends at the time about it. And it was like, oh. Well, this happened. What am I going to do? Like, what Mm. do you do? What do you, where do you go from there? You know what I mean? Like we're in this church. Yeah. I'm at this school. Yeah. My parents aren't here. I can't talk to my mom about it. Yeah. I have no idea what the fuck. And I was like, well, you know, and so out of that conversation, it's like, well, clearly you're pregnant. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh that
0: was like, the that was the conclusion they jumped to. That
1: was the conclusion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so clearly you're pregnant. Okay. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so I remember talking to this guy about it, like, well, this might be the case. And he's just like, wait a second, that was the thing? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. And so wait, like, so he didn't you know, know
0: either. He was like, he was like, oh, maybe you're right. Maybe you did get pregnant. So we,
1: I mean, again, this is like these are again education is important. Yeah. Because if we had any like biology or sex ed, we'd know that we were probably cool or not. Sorry, I'm getting passenger kids. That's okay. That's so, okay. That's okay. So I think, yeah. I-, I think there was something where like he goes to the. There was, a, there was something where we tried to go find a pregnancy test or something. And that was weird. That was like a whole wow. story. Wow, okay. That- yeah, it was, it was an odd scenario. And so I confided in two of my friends. And all I know is, so it was a couple days later that, so this had happened. And I, I would say within like two or three days, I was asleep in my bed. And it was in the middle of the night. I would, it's like the middle of the night. It's literally like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. We had had lights out already, and the headmaster's wife comes into my room, knocks on my door, and she's like, Donna, get, get dressed, get dressed. You're gonna sleep at our home tonight, the headmaster's home, and I'm like, okay. So I go and there. And I assume
0: nothing like this had ever happened to you before. No, yeah, this just was not a regular so occurrence. It's
1: not a regular occurrence, and so here I am. I'm like being pulled out of bed in the middle of the night by the yeah. headmaster's wife and this has never happened because she she was a very like peripheral figure in the whole thing. She wasn't really involved. I think in, in my experience at New Eden Academy, aside for one or two instances. So she shows up and, you know, she takes me to their apartment and I sleep in her daughter's room. And the next morning I wake up and she wakes me up and it's, it's early in the morning and she's like, we're going to send you home. So, I'm in Bridgeport, Connecticut. My family lives in New York, Staten Island, New York. There's a borough of New York City. She's like, we're going to send you home today. And I'm like, oh, okay. A- any reason why? And, you know, she's effectively like, well, we heard what happened. We we heard that, you know, you you had this relation, you have this relationship and you fell and we're sending you home. And, you know, right there, like I get driven to the train station. I'm Whoa. put on a Metro North train. It's Whoa. like, early in the morning. You know, it's early in the morning. I would say like eight or nine o'clock I'm put on this train. It must've been a weekend because the train was empty. And then it starts to getting, you know, it's still empty throughout the ride there. And there I am in Grand Central Station. Before I left, she gave me like $10 and she wow. was like, go ahead, go home. And she puts me on the Metro North. I'm at Grand Central. And and, and that's it. Like I'm a 16, 17 year old kid, like in the middle of the Grand Central Station. I'm like, all right, I, I, I got to figure it out. And, you know, I was like, I grew up, I grew up in Staten Island. You know, that's not really, it's not really New York City, but I was familiar with the subways enough to kind yeah. of find the right subway home, get on the ferry, take the bus. And I remember like, I walk into my house that morning and the look on my parents' face is complete confusion. It's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, they sent me home. And they're like, how did you get here? Did so send the school me home
0: didn't even off? call them. The school didn't even tell them.
1: No. They wow. were like, how did you get here? Oh my and I'm God. Like, they put me on the train. And my dad was like, the train? Like, how did you get from the train here? And I'm like, I took the subway and I took this. And he was like, he was just like, you could tell the confusion. And then I remember like, so I went to sleep. I went to, I took a nap. It was, it was, I hadn't really slept the night before. And and as I'm waking up from my nap, I hear my dad on the phone with the headmaster, like (laughs) like getting the story from the headmaster. And I could hear in my dad's voice that he's he's torn between two things. He's torn between what he's hearing from the headmaster and the like the complete disappointment that I have fallen. Yeah. And I am now a fallen BC. And I think just like the complete disbelief and anger of a parent who's like, "Wait a sec, You put my child on a train to New York City and didn't tell me that you were going to do that? Yeah. Like, you know, effectively, like I gave you safekeeping of my child. Yeah. Not only did you a allow them to." F- fall like you didn't yeah. monitor this situation at all this is the first yeah. I'm hearing of it but b you put them on a train to new york city and you know it's at that moment like i see that conflict of my father like this like I, I this this need to fall because the headmaster at the time was like one of those senior couples i think i don't remember like, uh-huh. if he was 36 he was like the 36 couple and just when okay. I talked to this guy was already yeah. like wow my superior yeah
0: so he was like a yeah he was yeah. There was
1: like a yeah. yeah. But also to hear that I've fallen, and then so there's that. So clearly I failed as a second generation, and I'm going to hell. But also like the you know this anger as a parent, like
2: mm. you
1: you failed to take care of my kid. Yeah. In so many ways, and uh, and it was just weird. It was just like the first time that I actually like remember my dad, like ever thinking, ever hearing my dad being like somewhat concerned for my safety you know because it was wow. like there was a history there was I mean, basically like yeah. a long history of like complete negligence of
0: Negligence, yeah Emotional, and also, i mean this is that's a pretty big thing i mean like i but i would be the, concerned if, I, if it was
1: the first time i heard him yeah. angry like and, yeah uh, you know in a way like but he was very disappointed and and so i remember like i never got to i never went back to school like that okay. was it I was wow so they just home. just
0: cut you off instantly
1: done gone wow. I done but it was odd, though, because the person that the the guy like was allowed to stay he was not oh my God. I'm pretty sure like he
0: classic that is classic
1: and I think like he was not from the area he was from the west coast, but they didn't they didn't automatically send him home like he was allowed to I think finish out his year of course yeah.
0: Oh, that just, that tells you everything you, that just tells you everything you need to know. I mean, talking about double standards. Yeah. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, there's so much shocking about that story, (laughs) but that, that last bit of like, after all that, like they're willing to put you through that. Like, you know, honestly, I think it's kind of dangerous to just put a kid on a, on a train to New York city, like not even tell their parents, and then just hope yeah. they, make it, they make it home. And then like they don't, like, not only do they not even do that to that kid, they let him finish out the year. I mean, what, what the hell?
1: Yeah, I think he had stayed on for a couple more weeks. And I remember it was, like, I remember it was warm. I was starting to get warm. So I think it was in the spring. So there wasn't that much left to the school year. And I remember that, like, we ended up meeting up. I remember that, I, and the way I remember that they didn't send him home immediately was because my friend who had been there the first year but not then didn't return. I met them in the city, like okay. she she went with me to meet him in the city, and I remember we spent a day in the city and we spent a day like in you know in Hoboken and the surrounding areas, and it was just odd that. And now, like, thinking back on it, not only did they allow him to stay, but they allowed him the freedom to kind of, like, go to New York City yeah. by himself. Yeah. It was very strange. Like, they didn't keep track of him enough that I think he had left. And I'm like, how could you... So you're missing a student. <laughs> not only are you missing a student, but you're missing a student who had recently, like, fallen, and the other half of that pair yeah. is, was, like, expelled and uh, wow it was just, it was just like an odd it was very odd and I remember like after that so it had to have been that because I remember I went to I took a summer course that's what it, it was an English summer course and that's okay. how I remember like the seasons it was warm enough that that would happen and then I started summer school and that's it I was done with I was done with high school at 17 okay. I was done with high yeah. school okay and that timeline which is very bizarre to explain to people that's, that's a at a time weird. Because um, yeah, I don't, right I don't know if you know the East Coast, but if you tell anybody from the East Coast that you had gone to boarding school in Connecticut, their ideas about your socioeconomic economic yeah. standing are very, very different yeah. from what mine there's actually There's like, are.
0: yeah, the, the, there's an archetype that you fit into as soon as you, stay, you say that. Like everything you've described here is- And then you're
1: like, oh, yeah. and then I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> very weird it's a it's it was a very weird time it's like I had to explain to the college students why I was not yet legally an adult so I was in college at 17 and I my birthday's in June so I was 17 and then didn't turn 18 until like June right and it was just I don't know it was just it was just an odd time the timelines like didn't mesh enough and I didn't have the wherewithal to not tell people that I went to school, uh, boarding school in Connecticut, because I didn't understand. Yeah, you
0: probably didn't realize sort of I didn't
1: yeah, I didn't understand the impression they were getting that I was telling people. Yeah. And it was was just very weird. And so like now all the assumptions that my friend my my friends from college, now all the assumptions they had about me back then when they first met me make sense.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Especially their shock (laughs) that this was (laughs) not the case. You know. Yeah. So I don't know. It's odd. It's odd. So, you know, when we talk about, yeah. So when we talk about leaving, like, I know you mentioned yours was a very kind of like a, like a long, a long road.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was Mm -hmm. like, there were some very specific like mental steps that kind of got me there, which, which, and that unfolded over a period of, of months, basically, Mm -hmm. which is that now turned into kind of years, depending on when you want to say I actually, actually left, but it was, it was like, yeah it was like this series of realizations that I came to as opposed to someone else like Mm -hmm. kind of making that drawing that line in the sand so what happened Mm -hmm. after that like after that after that happened because so far you haven't said anything about you know kind of questioning or sort of sort of thinking Mm -hmm. there might be another path Mm -hmm. in life for you were you did you have those sorts of inclinations already or kind of like yeah Mm -hmm. what, what did what did it look like when you when that happened and you went ahead with your life after that momentous day (laughs) when you did what everyone does and what every human being has done for you forever on that like how did your life change on that on that
1: momentous day (laughs) yeah you know you know it was weird so going to New Eden I was already somewhat questioning I think I told the story of how like I'd gone to a friend's house and I saw like the difference in her family versus yeah. my family, Yeah, you know, her parents' relationship versus my parents' relationship yeah. and just, you know, the the relationship between she and her parents were very different from mine. Yeah. That, you know, I think my parents were less interested in me as an individual than I was, than they were interested in me as a tool to facilitate a second, a third generation. You know what I mean? I I feel like they were less interested in me as a person and a child to be loved than they were as interested in me as a product of their blessing.
0: Yeah. I know how that feels big time. (laughs)
1: And and I think just, just the reckoning of that kind of like started me thinking, you know, like, listen, we're supposed to be blessed families and what does that mean there was no tangible i think guidance on what a true family is supposed to look like Mm. and there's all this talk about absolute love and absolute faith and absolute obedience and true love and you know what that how amazing that'll feel when you finally get matched and blessed and experience it for yourself and you know it, it was so interesting that it wasn't until like i was 16 you know 14 15 16 Getting ready to maybe like go to this matching myself, that I began really looking at my parents' relationship and saying, you know, that's not, if, if that is what a true family blessing looks like, then no thank you. Yeah. <sighs> because, you know, I, my parents are very, like, ill suited for one another in so many ways. And, and I think,
0: so, I think, like, here's mm-hmm. the thing. It's okay mm-hmm. like like that's there's yeah, like, like the church the church has this this concept that like you just need to make it work and it's your fault if it doesn't work. I'm sorry. Fuck that. Like some people fit well together, some people don't and it's mm-hmm. no one's fault if they don't. that? Um, nice. You know like like th- everyone is different and yeah. some people mesh well some together, some people don't and if you don't fit well together, it's not it's not your job. To mm-hmm. to just make it work with with, with someone else. Yeah. Just, yeah, and
1: I, I you know I I and I think about this sometimes in 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 that whole you know God is going to create the perfect person for you. Yeah. It almost like there's almost an understanding of like there's almost no work required on your part.
2: Yeah. You yeah. Know?
1: Because God created a perfect person for you, which would mean that you were then a perfect person for someone else. Yes. And so there's no need for growth or personal yeah. development or any yeah. kind of like, you know, bettering of yourself yeah. or improvement because yeah. you're already, yeah. you're already who that person needs. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and
2: exactly.
1: I think my parents' relationship suffered from that in that, you know, my mom was, you know, she kind of stopped <laughs> at, mm-hmm. at a certain point and uh, you know, my I feel like, you know, there was no work put into the relationship, which I don't, didn't really understand until now when I am married Mm. and it's so much work. It, Mm. it, it, but the good, but, but like I said, every morning I wake up and I choose to be with my husband and I I choose to be together. And so when we fight, it's with, or when we argue, it's with a need to do it productively in that How do we solve this problem so we can move forward? Yeah. You know, how can I support you so that we can get better? Yeah. And uh, you know, just being taught that you're perfect and the person you're gonna marry is perfect for you. You know, I feel like it it stunts you.
0: It creates a really it creates Mm -hmm. a really perverse dynamic. So Mm -hmm. you're on the one hand, you're told, okay your needs are not, there's no place for you to express your needs Mm
2: -hmm.
0: in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And also you're completely perfect for this other person. And therefore, like you say, you don't need to put in, you don't need to put in the work into the, into the relationship, the the relationship. And, and therefore, like, if someone comes, you put those together and basically like, if someone comes to you and says, Hey, I need this out of the relationship, Mm
1: -hmm. like
0: there, or I'd like us to work on this or something like that. They, they're kind of like, in the in the wrong for mm. just for bringing it up because you're yeah. perfect you're, yeah. you're you're perfect and that person just needs to accept it but, and by virtue of them just bringing up something it it, it kind of it, it 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 goes against the very ethos of the foundation of that relationship mm. so i i just i feel like yeah relationships with that as the bedrock are just like fraught with yeah with peril basically because yeah it it's does, like
1: hi i love you you're perfect now change yeah. And it's like, what? Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, so I guess going back to
2: yeah.
1: so going into New Eden Academy, yeah. I, I had that in the back of my mind. Yeah. And then layered on top of that, like, I thought that <clears throat> I had this idea of other blessed children. I'm like, clearly, I am not a perfect blessed child because,
2: yeah.
1: you know, I'm having these thoughts of yeah. my parents. You know, I'm I'm, I'm, tra- I'm transposing, you know, my parents and other people's parents and other people's parents are maybe a little better than my parents yeah. who are perfect. And so I'm already going into with that. And I think, you know, over my years at New Eden, I'm like, there's just things that are just not sitting well with me. I think one is how, you know, the, the way that the adult's, Treated me immediately and I I felt like I was written off Yeah, that they kind of saw me as this dark horse and You know when I so desperately needed direction and a mentor and for some adults to kind of like You know, just give me some direction or just somebody to talk to That wasn't there And, you know, you know, whatever it's, it, it it kind of led me to where I am now. So I'm not totally ungrateful for it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? But I feel like once that happened, so, so it was the day, it was the morning after the act Mm -hmm. of falling, (laughs) I woke up and the sun was still shining and I went downstairs. And at this point, nobody knew except for the guy. Yeah. And uh, I was fine. (laughs) <laughs> it's shown i went downstairs
0: what? i don't believe you
1: <laughs> i i felt perfectly fine nobody else knew nobody else could sense it right. i went to honda i was like well seriously something's gonna happen <laughs> nothing happened i went through an entire day of classes i went to dinner nothing no, nothing about me had changed yeah. other than the fact that I did this thing that I wasn't supposed to do. Yeah. And honestly, the worst thing that I could possibly do in the world I had done, Yeah, I was perfectly fine. I was mm. totally fine. I was like, that's it. That's it. Yeah. This, this, this is it. This is, this this what, is what
0: the big deal big, was about.
1: This is the big deal. Yeah. And I was I was so annoyed. I was like, "Can't I get? I don't know, like thunder, like what?" I was really disappointed. And you know, and honestly, the worst thing that happened was that happened to me was not from the spirit world it wasn't from god it wasn't oh, from my ancestors it wasn't mm. my lineage being disappointed mm-hmm. it was the headmaster's wife who i had rarely seen mm. sending me home and that's it that yeah. was the worst thing that happened yeah it was the worst thing that happened and you know honestly and then i kept i kept living my life and mm. my life was not my life wasn't terrible. I mean in the grand scheme of things in that moment it was it was pretty earth-shattering because I think I lost a lot of friends, a lot of yeah. you know, the people I had gone to school with kind of yeah. stopped
3: talking
0: to me. And so they did all just did they most, mostly just kind it of just shut cut you me off?
1: Yeah, I think yeah. I, I think I was mostly just cut off. And, you know, it's like I was expelled from the cult. It, it's like I was expelled yeah. from the Moonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just from the school, but I was expelled from the Moonies. Because yeah. I remember very distinctly, maybe like a, a year or two after that happened, I went to a God's Day celebration. And for those who are uninitiated, God's Day is New Year's Day. <laughs> it is... It January is, first. We've renamed it. Repurposed. Yeah. And I went to a God's Day celebration. And... I remember the headmaster was the first person I encountered. It was the headmaster and the English, or not, but it was the, it was the chair of the English department or something like that. And they were the first two adults that I, I encountered. And it was basically like, what are you doing here? Mm. Like, you know, I walk into this New Yorker hotel, which is a church-owned property. Yeah. It's, a, it's a pretty big hotel at the yeah. time. It was a church-owned property. It's a big hotel right outside of Penn Station.
0: Yep. It's
1: like I used to
0: live there high when high I was high. a kid
1: no way <laughs> yes what years oh I don't remember I had to have been like three or four yeah
0: okay it was early days for me I was there like mm-hmm. 81 to like 85 um, yeah like,
1: so we probably so, overlapped because I was I'm born wow. in 83
0: okay so oh yeah we, we must have overlapped okay we
1: definitely overlapped somehow. okay
0: okay all right interesting um, okay all right sorry Contin- so, continue God's day. God's, yeah, God's day I
1: walk in and they're like what are you doing here and I'm like i'm going to God's today and they're like wh- and it was just like they were flabbergasted they were almost like you're not supposed to be here yeah you know
0: like don't you and know you're excommunicated don't you know you're, gonna- no. you're out yeah.
1: yeah and you know this was before i think i think now they do like forgiveness ceremonies yeah for, like, i've heard
0: i've second heard that. generation
1: yeah. who- like, i went to one yeah
0: which really
1: funny oh wow <laughs> <laughs> they play a-, a lot of bad alt rock a lot of hoover stink don't recommend. <laughs> what? They play
0: Hooba fucking stank at a, at, a, at a fucking... What the fuck? Is it that really <laughs> shitty song? The Reason is... The reason,
1: the reason Of course. How did
0: I guess? How did You're I guess? you
1: to sit there and listen to The Reason and write your sins. Confess. Confess your sins to Hooba stanks The Reason. <laughs> and it's just it's so bad. Oh, my God. Okay.
0: Okay. That band is terrible, but... I, I want to see their reaction if they were to, if they were to know that where, their, you know, where that music had been repurposed. Oh, if my, anybody, yeah, me, yeah please just them. just get this just out there. Get this out there. <laughs> you oh got, my god.
1: You're gonna make an announcement in regards Whoa. to your song.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. So this is before forgiveness <laughs> ceremonies, and you know it's really funny. Like, I so that had to have been like the early 2000s that that happened. And it was like basically, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Like you're you're out. And so I feel like I got expelled, not only from school, but I got expelled from the Moonies. And it was just like a weird sensation. And I think, I I think from there, like I, I I spent a couple years pretty unmoored, you know, because I think, I think just any that transitional period from high school to college, I think, is difficult for anybody. Yeah. But I also found myself in that particular moment where I was not only trying to figure my way around college and all the, and all the like little nuances from there, but I was really trying to figure out how to exist in a world that I was ill suited for. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of my peers had had luck. Well, They'd had jobs, they'd had yeah. college preparation, yeah. they'd had like sports and rec. And they, you know, there was a lot of like cultural references that I did not have. Yeah. Because you're growing up Mooney, there's so yeah. many things that you just don't get exposed to. And it was very strange because, you know, how do you share that? Listen, I think I grew up in a cult. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do you? Like that's, that's not, that's not great party chat.
0: Yeah, It's funny. I feel like it's, it's not something that I talked about a lot when I was younger Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and I still don't
0: talk about a lot now, Mm -hmm. but I feel a lot less self-conscious about it now. Yeah, Like I can kind of be like, look, this, this shit happened to me. It wasn't my idea. Uh You know, let me tell you about it if you're interested. Whereas I think when I, before in the past, when I felt some, still felt some sort of like loyalty to it and I knew it was kind of Mm -hmm. weird. I was like, I, I didn't talk about it much, but now. I I do like it's just easier for me to talk about now because I can be like, look, it wasn't my idea. This this shit happened to me. I was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. No. It's it's very odd, and and so you know, like, look. I think I think just people at that age are very. You know, I don't think they've experienced. I think I think the vast majority of people have not experienced cult life, Mm. and it's odd to come across somebody who has not only experienced it but grown up into it and left at that age right yeah so it was kind of lonely in the sense that i was living two lives you know what i mean at home i was a fallen child i was a fallen bc that's it Horrible and you're person. the old. You're
0: the oldest, right? So presumably, the
1: oldest, yeah. All
0: your all your younger siblings were still in, and your 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 parents yeah. were not not, yeah. not happy. Well, but at, at that point in time, they probably all were in, right?
1: Oh yeah, I don't yeah. think they had a choice, and yeah. I don't think that they had a really good understanding of what had happened. Yeah. It wasn't until so my, I have a younger brother. I have two. I have two younger sisters and three younger brothers, and you know at that time. I'm just going to go over them by numbers. I'm one. My two younger brothers are two and three. And so it was brother number, my youngest brother, we'll call him number four. And then my older, younger sister, we'll call her number five. It was four and five. They had gone to STF. And they uh, special task force. Yeah, for uh, it's yeah.
0: kind of like a, uh, uh, it's like equivalent to the Mormons, sort of, mm-hmm. sort of like like. They're two young, yeah. After high school, you do it, which is which is basically fundraising mm-hmm. and witnessing for the church.
1: Yeah, in a So they were doing that, and I think at, at some point, you know, my sister, I remember my sister calling me, and she's like, "I can't do this. I can't do this." Mm-hmm. And I know you're out, and I want to get out, and I don't know how. And I remember sure. like, you know going to the Manhattan Center where she had been staying and like physically like bringing her back to my apartment. Wow. You know like you have to stay here you, you know I gotta get you out.
2: Yeah. And
1: um, wow. you know in that moment I kind of realized that like I had gone through most of my life with with nobody I can depend on. Yeah. You know and it, it was just a very like odd you know I think a lot of the things that I needed to do I, I found myself doing them alone, you know. Mm. Finding a job, going to college, which my parents didn't support because yeah. you know, there's they this didn't, anti, yeah, there's they didn't support anti, you going
0: to university.
1: Like this wow. anti-intellectual bent, like mm. you know, politically. I think my parents are very, very conservative, and and so there was an odd anti-intellectualism there, especially since I was going to school in Manhattan. The university oh, yeah. of manhattan okay and, you know, okay yeah the that's li-
0: that's like that that's like the seat of the devil man oh man it's, yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah
1: i know i took particular glee in telling my parents that like so i i, I minored in philosophy and one of my teachers was literally a turkish communist oh. and i remembered like he, he was a self, he's Turkish and he's a self-professed communist. And I took a lot of glee in explaining my dad, I'm like, yeah, of philosophy. It's, it's, oh, he he's he's actually a communist. <laughs> We're going to go get coffee and talk about my midterm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was odd. It was odd. A lot of growth, like I think. And, and from that period of time in my life, there was just no room to think about like, wow, I'm leaving a cult,
2: mm.
1: you know? Yeah. Wow, I'm leaving this thing behind. And oddly enough, it wasn't really until I had kids. So my daughter's six so i uh, i been out of the church for like 15 years not involved at all yeah. and when i had my daughter that's i think when it really hit me like shit i don't know how to be a parent like I, yeah. I, know how to, I know how to keep her you know what i mean like not the normal like oh my gosh like first parent jitters of like is she breathing am I feeding her right? You know what I mean? Like yeah. am I giving her the right thing. It's like, no, no, I, I actually don't know how to raise my child in, mm. in, in a healthy way because it's something I had never experienced. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what do I tell her about like her body? What do I tell her about? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what do I tell her about what we believe? Like, what do I tell yeah. her about like, you know, what do I tell her about her grandparents? Like when, what, when they try yeah. to like give her holy wine, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like what do I, how do I wow. have these conversations with my daughter and how do I be a, a good parent to her? when Have, I you, don't have, have your foundation? parents, tried to,
0: have your parents tried <laughs> to give her holy
1: wine? You know, it's really funny and you'll laugh and I feel like it's only Moonies who really ex-Moonies who can appreciate this. So my husband and I got married like eight years ago and, at our wedding so the priest who married us was one of those catholic priests who like joined the church and and you know part of their interfaith movement
2: yeah and he okay. married
1: us and i think my dad paid him to like slip holy wine into the ceremony oh my god <laughs> that's this classic really that's such
0: a that's such a classic Mooney thing like just give them give them give them the substance like like trick them into taking it because it'll be good Take for them on. in the spirit world like uh, i'm sorry yeah. i hate that like that whole that whole mentality of like the ends justify the means no matter what like i've seen that abused to such great degrees but yeah. anyway But it's, yeah, sorry, continue.
1: It's no, it was, it was so weird. So my parents have not tried to give them holy wine, but I know that my dad will come to the house when he visits. He'll try to talk to her about like the Messiah. You know what I mean? And she's six. She has no idea. Like she... Like wow. we listen we listen to this podcast called Breaking Out and it tells stories about Greek gods and goddesses. Oh, and cool. quite honestly, that's the only exposure she has to like
2: yeah.
1: higher powers. Yeah. She, and she understands <laughs> Zeus and she understands that, you know, there is there might be a bigger power, but you know, what we can control is what we do in our lives. Mm. And we need to make sure that you know, we, we, we be nice to people and we respect people. And, you know, and, uh, you know, that's, I think, I think it's, I think that's, I think that's the part where I'm really sitting down and really coming to terms with the fact that, listen, I was raised in a cult. I left it when I was a teenager. I had never really had time or space to really process that until I became a parent. And all of a sudden I am in charge of another human to teach them, like, how to, how to be a person, how do you, you know, how do you teach somebody to make their own choices when you were never taught how to do that, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, big time, yeah. and I feel the same thing with my son, like, there, pretty much mm-hmm. every day, I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. uh, this is, this is new for me, and, like, probably most yeah. parents, like, most kids would have, like, kind of felt with, things similarly mm-hmm. with their parents but
2: mm-hmm.
0: for me I'm like well is a whole new this a whole new ball game I yeah. just got to you know yeah yeah it's like I'm starting from scratch almost
1: yeah yeah and you know I think a lot of it is like I find myself parenting myself at the same time I'm parenting my child you know like I my I know the experience for a lot of other second generations where their parents were not you know, around and that they had mission work or yeah. some of them were dropped off at, you know, uh, like Jacob's house, I think was yeah. a place where it was a nursery and your parents would leave you. And sometimes for extended periods of time, yeah. you know, like we're talking like months, years, Yeah, not like a couple hours or days,
2: yeah.
1: you know? And I remember like my, my dad was very hands off. Like my, my dad was like either working or he was going on mission, missionary things. Yeah like conferences and workshops and things like that and, and it's very strange it's like it's, it's odd because like I, I find myself jealous of my children in certain aspects because you know I, I teach her I try to teach both of them that look it's your body you know it's your body you have control over it you know yeah. what I mean like yeah. you can you can decide what you want to do with it but here are some ground rules, let you know. Yeah. Don't let anybody else touch you unless you give them permission. Yeah. And especially you know, don't let anybody touch you, period. Yeah. And then we'll have that unless yeah. you give them permission yeah. later on. Later on. Don't yeah. touch anybody unless they give yeah. you permission. And, you know, it's very different from that whole like your body belongs to yeah. A stranger.
0: Yeah. I think and that's actually something that we probably don't have time to to dive into mm-hmm. it, it yeah. dive into it right now. But just this whole concept that the church has of literally your sexual organ does not belong to you. No, it belongs. Yeah. It belongs to your your future spouse. And I think that's super duper damaging. If you think mm-hmm. about what like all the ramifications about that, like your own, it's basically telling you like deep down your your own happiness has nothing to do with you. It has. It, it it's. Something that can, that can only be fulfilled by someone else, uh, mm-hmm. and and you don't have any agency in that at, at all. Yeah. I think it's really, it's it's a really deeply disturbing portion of the mm-hmm. theology. That, yeah, I think, it's not something I would ever teach my kid. That's
1: yeah, sure. like living for the sake of others, you know, yeah. and <laughs> like that was one thing that was always hammered into my head, like live for the sake of others. And, you know, think about what others need. But when you tell somebody a child that what you're effectively teaching is them is put yourself last. Yes. And, you know, it's strange, but like, here I am, like, You know, my my daughter, we enrolled her in soccer and she had her first soccer game the other day, which is really funny. If you've never seen like six-year-olds playing soccer (laughs) in teams, it's it's, it's like puppies in a dog park. It is the best thing. It is the best, best (laughs) thing. But so they're playing and, you know, she's like hanging back and she's hanging back. She's like, you know, she comes by and I'm like, you know, why are you hanging back? And she's like, I want to let other people get the ball. And I was like, listen, you control the ball. Mm. It comes to you. You take it and you run with it because nobody else is going to give you. Nobody else is going to give you that chance but you, Yeah. you know. And as I was saying that to her, I'm like, holy shit. This is what I wanted to. This is what I feel like I'm talking to my inner child.
0: Yeah. 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 Someone to say, look, like you can take control. You can, you can impact your own destiny. Yeah. uh, and Like those are your choices to make. Yeah. Um,
1: This is your responsibility. Yeah. Your responsibility is to play, to play that ball. Like in a way. And and, and it's so impactful, I think because it's such a weird feeling because I feel like whenever I have those conversations with my child, I'm not just talking to my child. I'm talking to, me as a yeah, child that's really
2: interesting.
1: you know it's 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 interesting and so when you know I talk about like oh I left 20 years ago I did physically but I think mentally I'm only now coming to terms with the fact like I'm only now coming to terms with it and I think only now do I have the emotional space that I need mm-hmm. to really process yeah. everything you know what I mean to like yeah. go back and think through it and just be like oh Yeah, that was pretty fucked up. Yeah. And that happened. And that was real. And you know, I know there's people who will tell me, like, was it really ah, was it really that bad? Yeah. Was it really that terrible? And you know, all the way back to the beginning, like I had to look up New Eden Academy, and I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that's what they said. But here's what I experienced and that was real. Yeah. You know. What you experienced is real and what you're experiencing is real. And I think another thing to come out of that is like, listen, you know, your emotions are valid and your emotions are true. And if you are feeling uncomfortable, then it's probably an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. You know, if you're feeling angry or frustrated or if you, you know, we used to be told that to feel anger and frustration was evil spirits.
0: Yeah you are wrong if it was wrong You're if wrong. you felt that. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that's what, yeah, we, we were encouraged to think that way. Yep. Encouraged is probably putting it too mildly, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Put away your uncertainty. And I think what I would tell anybody who's like questioning is continue to do that. And listen, if you feel uncertain, if you feel that doubt, there's a kernel of truth that's trying yeah. to come out. And I yeah. would follow that strain as far as it would take you. Yeah follow that nugget because look, if you're uncomfortable, it means there's something wrong, you know? And if there's something wrong, it means that there's something that can be fixed. You just need to chase it and go after it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's a really, that's a really powerful, powerful Mm -hmm. concept of like, if, you know your your, your gut sense that your your gut is there for a reason mm-hmm. uh, and actually, even if you still believe in in everything that the unification church says, mm-hmm. they also say say they have this concept of you have this like original nature that's like yeah. God's original nature yeah. within you. if you believe that if you believe in that, then it also follows that those little points of intuition and your gut set telling you, sense telling you something might, may not be right here that is part of that original nature. Mm-hmm. And so it, even, you know, if you still believe in that, then think about that. That, that doubt is part, of, is part of that. That's, that's you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's you. And it's a good part of you that is, mm-hmm. that is questioning.
1: Yeah, follow it. Follow it and see where it leads. And, you know, I, I don't say to do it blindly because honestly, I, I would say that, you know, I think, I think my parents were well-intentioned. And I think yeah. they got wrapped, swept up into something and they get yeah. swept up into a feeling of belonging.
2: Yeah.
1: But I think that feeling of belonging overshadowed and that need for belonging overshadowed a lot of uncomfortable truths that they're willing to sweep aside to chase that feeling of yeah. inclusiveness and belonging. And, you know, and I guess, I guess what I'd want to say is like, look, the biggest reward that you will find on the other side of those questions is yourself. Yeah. You know, you will find your, you will find who you really are. And I think a lot of that gets lost. That person who you're meant to become and that person who you're supposed to be is, you know, oftentimes subsumed by that perfect person. They hope you, you know, they want you to believe you are yeah. right. Yeah. That, that, identity that they've given to you, that second generation, that that perfect person, that you know, and and that's that could be a facet of it, but that's not all of who you are. Mm. You know, just like just like I fell, I had sex. And
0: yeah. And yeah, I guess
1: if that's the worst thing that I'm gonna do in my life, amazing.
0: Yeah. And I guess I would I would I I would I would ask I would ask anyone who's listening to this who is still in the church Mm -hmm. and has heard everything that you've explained, ask yourself this, is, is Donna worse than Hitler? Mm -hmm. Because I'm like literally like, like genuinely ask yourself that question. And, you know, just, just think about that. Because if Mm -hmm. you believe in the church, then everything that you've just heard over the last two and a half hours from this person would, you know, if you believe in the church, you have to also believe that that she is has committed sins greater than mm-hmm. Hitler. Yeah, so think about that. Think, think about that and answer. Just you know, let let that let that question hang there.
1: You know, and you know, I, I, I caveat, I have not killed anyone. I okay. pay my taxes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the thing. No one really knows what, you've, what you, You. maybe, you know, maybe you are a serial killer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm a serial killer. Um, but I'm um, not going to jail. I'm not a felon. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I had sex outside yeah. of marriage.
0: I know. Right. And I I guess that's, that's why I want to have these conversations just to like add, yeah. allow people to express the nuance of their experiences yeah. Within the organization, but also to allow people within the organization to mm-hmm. to hear to hear what it's like and actually and actually just kind of like open the eyes of like oh act, you know Donna did a very human thing a very natural human thing she wasn't mm-hmm. hit by lightning the mm-hmm. next day she on the surface of it seems to have lived a pretty decent life in the in the ensuing mm-hmm. 20 years mm-hmm. and is. Objectively, not an evil person. I'm just. I'm hoping that there's value in, in just in in hearing that story because, as we are, you know, we, as we we're kind of alluding to earlier, for people that are in the church, like like once someone leaves, they're gone, and those those mm-hmm. stories you kind of you lose those stories. Uh, mm-hmm. You lose access to those stories. And I'm really, it's really awesome that you were able to help your sister when she was thinking mm-hmm. of, of leaving. Mm-hmm. But when I was leaving, I didn't have anyone that I could, that I could turn to because anyone who, who had left was, was banished. Yeah. So yeah, I guess ultimately I'm hoping like this conversation can help to sort help people to like shortcut that,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that cycle by, you know, shedding light on everything that we've, that we've spoken about.
1: Yeah. You know, like this life after the fall you know, it it, it continues in your mind. And, you know, and I think, you know, I think there's a lot of, I think for people who are bent on judging somebody for what they've done, you know, how does that match up to falling, right? Mm. How does that match up? How does sustaining judgment for somebody, you know, what does that do to your moral fiber is Mm. I think, I think what it is, you know, and if you're truly living for the sake of others, like, what does that mean to you? You know, and what does that living mean? Does that mean giving all your material wealth? Does that mean spending your days and nights fundraising for the church? Does that mean trying to garner new followers for the Unification Church? You know, what does that mean to live for the sake of another, right? Right. And nowhere in that do they talk about forgiveness and empathy and sympathy and, you know, the natural love that happens over the course of your life. And, you know, I would just consider like for, for an organization where that choice is knowingly taken away from people, how does that equate to loving one's neighbor? you know? Mm. Yeah. And I, I guess, like, what does that mean to you in your life to live for someone else? Yeah. And, and why would you just give those, you know, why would you just give that to somebody else and not yourself? Right? Because mm. you're the yeah. one you go to bed with every night. Yeah. You are the most important person in your life. So why would you not live for the sake of your own health, well-being, mental fitness, and emotional stability.
0: Yeah, it's a fair question to ask. It's a yeah. very fair question to ask. I think we need to start wrapping up. Uh, yep, yeah, um,
1: lot. It's late for you. Yeah,
0: right yeah. We've chatted. We've gone. We've gone well way over time. But I'm very. I'm completely happy with that. I just want to say thank you, Donna. This has been. This has yeah. been great. Been super, super insightful. Mm-hmm. And I guess above all, I just hope it can be valuable to people that hopefully listen to it in the future.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. thank you so much for for doing this and for having these conversations. It's really important, I think, to get these many facets of, of life before and after, you know, before and after this group. So thank you. Thank you for your no. time. Thank you for no your worries. efforts.
0: No worries. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Thank you very All much.
1: All right. Hey.
0: You too. Honestly, Donna, my hat's off to you for turning your life into what anyone would look at and think, this, this person's done a pretty solid job here. You know, what the church did to you is fucked up, and I hope some of those fuckers are listening now and they hear it and they can hear how fucked up it is to kick a teenager out on the street, because there's no excuse for that. But yeah, Donna, just going back to that, you fucking should be proud of yourself for rising above the bullshit that you were born with and proving those fuckers wrong. How good is your relationship now with your husband and your family compared to some of the people that are still in the church who claim that they have ideal relationships simply by virtue of being in the church but aren't putting in any work to make those relationships good and actually have terrible, horrible, soul-suckingly, crushingly, bad relationships and they sit on their high horse and think they're perfect just because they're part of this movement and they don't even have to fucking try in their relationships no you have to try every fucking day and you have to choose every fucking day and that's what don is doing and that's what real love is real love is not about abdicating the choice of who you're going to be with to some movement real love is about choosing every day who you're going to be with and re-upping every day coming back to the table and throwing your chips down and saying I'm still in this game and making it work for that reason because you choose not because someone else chose for you I also want to say on a slightly different note that who fucking stank are you fucking kidding me perhaps the unification church's greatest crime is horrible taste in music oh my god for people that don't know uh Hoobastank is like Nickelback with eyeliner. They are terrible. And if you're in that band, I'm really sorry that I don't like your music. But if somehow you hear this and you want to get involved and maybe get the Unification Church to stop misusing your music, who knows? Maybe you can change my mind about it. Thank you for sticking with me for the first two episodes of Falling Out. I've got plenty more interviews coming up exploring... A lot more of these issues and some more brand new ones. If you have any feedback or if you want to get involved, I'd love to hear from you. To contact me, please hit me up on Twitter at Pod or on the web at FallingOutPod.com. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. Avoid being brainwashed. Take care. I love you. Bye.